whether it's a development business or whether it's a real estate investment business or a general trading company, they're sort of at the level where it's no longer a mum and dad operation. You can get away and you're looking to expand. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to mention Trevor McGregor. Trevor is a real estate results coach. I've been paying him and working with him for years now. He actually is responsible for giving me the idea to do a podcast. So it's not only about transactions that he gives advice on how to find more deals, how to make more money, but also how to build a holistic plan around your real estate entrepreneurship endeavors. That's what I love about working with Trevor, that and being held accountable for what I say I'm going to do and actually making sure that I follow through and do it. I feel like I'm a pretty results-oriented, accountable kind of person, but it's always nice to have someone who's there guiding you along the way and giving you strategy as well as psychology tips for how to deal with you know the things that come up as a real estate entrepreneur. Trevor has made a wonderful offer for the best ever listeners, and that is that he's offering a free coaching session. Go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-W-I-T-H-T-R-E-V-O-R.com. Highly recommend them. I've worked with them before. I'm currently working with them right now as my business, as my real estate investing coach. Highly recommend you do the same. Take him up on his offer. Get a free coaching session. Coachwithtrevor.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Stephen Pettith. How you doing, Stephen? Very good, Joe. Very good. It's good to be here. And uh, hello, listeners. Well, nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Stephen. He is a co-founder of Global Private Partners. And he is internationally focused investment advisor and asset strategist working with corporations, investments. He is based in Hong Kong. And with that being said, Stephen, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yes. I've been based here in Asia now for over 20 years. I joined the Royal Australian Navy straight out of school. And from there, I came out after a 10-year stint, joined our family business, which was manufacturing focused in the property construction materials industry. We had all sorts of businesses here in in Asia producing hardware and all the other bits and pieces and trading items, tiles and bathroom fittings and stuff for the property industry. And after that, we sold the business around 2006, 2007. And ever since then, I've just been helping other entrepreneurs and business-minded people here in Asia optimize their strategies, go a bit more global, go a bit more outside of the backyard. And it's a great thing. It's a great job. Can you give us an example of how maybe one case study of an entrepreneur you've helped optimize their business strategy? For sure. So we help a lot of people that are doing, say, Amazon sellers or they've got a small trading business back home and they're buying locally. So they're an Australian-based or an American-based SME. They're buying their own products locally. Property construction guy in Australia is a prime example. He was doing 35, 40 apartments at a time, but buying all his fit-out materials locally in Australia. To increase his bottom line and his margin, we brought him up here to China as well as Vietnam, and we started sourcing product direct from manufacturers that could go directly into his developments. And out of that, he's created a new trading operation, buying larger quantities than he needs, and then on-selling them to other developers. Mm. 
it saves him money and then it also brings in an additional revenue stream for him. Hugely. And it diversifies his asset base and his income base. Um, if he doesn't want to do a development, he's still got a business selling product and he's got the wages covered. That is really interesting. So what is your role in the process for helping make that happen? I work as purely a consultant. I come on board and sort of work with you over a period of time, whether that's two, three, four, five, six months, even longer. Um, on some of the companies I work with, I've been working with them now for over two, three years. And I just work on a month-to-month basis and optimize them and, and use my network to bring them into wherever they want to go. Property developers looking for projects in Bali, for instance, we sort of work with them to do that. And how extended reach. At what level should someone be at in order to then decide, okay, it makes sense to go to Asia and start looking for other manufacturers or other ways of getting more for less? The people that we typically work for are people that are self-employed for a start and they've got a business that can nearly run on autopilot. So whether it's a development business or whether it's a real estate investment business or a general trading company, they're sort of at the level where it's no longer a mum and dad operation. You can get away and you're looking to expand. You're looking to find out what's next. And in a dollar-wise, it's hard to say because different people get to that level quicker than others in their cycle. But it's when you're looking to be a bit more than what you are now, if that makes sense. Yep, that does make sense. Yeah, and we get the best results out of people that aren't heavily involved into running their business on a day-to-day basis. When you take a look at companies that reach out to you, what are some of the questions that you ask them to qualify them and see if they're ready? Some of the things we look at is past experience. What's their view on globalization and things like that? Some people hear the term globalization but actually don't really know what it is. Some people are 100% for it. Are they comfortable? What's their risk level? So we analyze risk. For some people, they think that this is a good thing, but importing and exporting or even doing projects in other countries, that the risk is a lot higher. So it's qualifying them on a risk level. It's also, I like just to have a conversation with them. So it's not necessarily I ask questions. It's sort of trying to work out what their goals are. Are they trying to build a business to sell? Are they trying to build a business to leave for the next generation? So we work with our clients and sort of eke out what they're trying to do, what their goals and aspirations are. Mm -hmm. As far as thoughts on globalization and exactly what it is, how do you define it and how do you think about it? For me, it's just an extension of our current business scene. If you ever look at it, we're all living our little tribes and globalization is just an extension of dealing with the tribe next door. So if you take boundaries out of it and nations out of it, all we're doing is dealing with the person next door. So instead of dealing between your hometown and the town three people over, all you're doing now is dealing with your country and another country. So it's just an, a current extension on our traditional methods of trading and, and interacting with people. You mentioned the risk is a lot higher. What are some of those risks that you've seen play out and actually transpire? The biggest one is communication is miscommunication on all sorts of levels. So not fully understanding the other party's needs and wants, not understanding the basics, uh, especially when you're buying a product, getting the right specifications and making sure that the counterparty understands those specifications. That would be my number one risk. 
Then there, of course, is the legal risks and monetary risks, currency fluctuations and all those, but they're all mitigated through standard procedures. Communication is the biggest one, and it's the one that you have to be the most aware of in any situation. We refer to China as the land of five no's, and basically one of those eventually means a yes. Will you help me understand that a little bit more? Okay, so in China, they will say yes to everything, but really it's a no because they don't want to lose face. They don't want to seem like they don't know something. So you'll go to them and say, I want this widget. They'll look at it and go, yes, yes, we can produce, yes, yes, yes. By just by seeing how they react, you know that they're not 100% certain that they can do it. So then you've got to dig deeper. You've got to ask more. You've got to then we'll go, let's go for a walk through the factory. And when you ask them to go walk through a factory, you'll find out are they a trader or are they actually the manufacturer. 90% of people you deal with in China aren't manufacturers. So they're all traders. It's their brother that has the factory. It's a best friend that's got a factory or it's just a factory that they know of. So they may not understand 100% what you're trying to do. So you need to drill in deeper. So after you clarify the first step, they'll say no, they'll say yes again. They may not 100% get it then either. So you've just got to keep drilling down, drilling down, and then the last no is your final yes. Mm. So it's a step-by-step process. And a lot of people think they can do it by just jumping on a plane, coming over, finding the first person and going. First three or four shipments are fine. The fifth one is not. The relationship wasn't built. The time wasn't taken to get it. You've got to really build a relationship over here with your suppliers, especially if you want long-term. When you look at the best-case scenario, when you have a truly globalized company, what are you ultimately looking to accomplish? Is it the new revenue stream and saving money, or are there other benefits as well? There's heaps of other benefits as well. So you can then look at restructuring your entire enterprise and then start playing the same games as the big corporates. So you build yourself up to a certain stage and then you can start leveraging tax jurisdictions. You can start leveraging legal jurisdictions to get, so you might have designed a widget that you use. So there's IP protection and the best IP protection might not be in the country that you're currently in. Tax is always a side benefit. It should never be the main benefit that you internationalize. The benefits for internationalizing should be that you're going to get better capital efficiency because you're paying lower prices for your product so you can buy more of that product and then sell it. You're expanding your reach. You're opening new markets. And you might find complementary markets to what you are. If you're a builder, say, and you're a very successful, highly qualified home builder, you might find a market somewhere else where you can then sell your IP. You might have a way that you design a roof truss or you design whatever it is in the building industry, then you might be able to capitalize on, on that and sell that into other markets. Mm. Anything else that we haven't talked about as it relates to working with Asia in particular to help optimize our company that you want to mention? The biggest thing is, is come and visit the place. Most people have this thing about, oh, Asia is just a big factory. Come and visit. There's so much opportunity out here at the moment. What we're seeing is the opportunity outweighs a lot of the risks some of the times because the entry level out here is a lot lower. So it's more broadening broadening your horizons and just seeing where it can take you. Well, Stephen, how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing and get in touch with you? Okay, so you can either do it through the Global Private Partners website 
and then just contact us there on our contact page and Trex, my PA, she'll um, set up a call and we can discuss how we can go forward. Thank you for being on the show and talking about your experiences helping business owners generate an additional revenue stream, maybe position their company for sale and also decreasing the costs of goods in some cases as well. Appreciate you spend some time with us. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, listeners. Did you achieve all your real estate goals in 2015? Well, if you did, congratulations. Fist bump to you. If you didn't, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. Trevor McGregor is my business coach, my real estate coach. He's also been a guest on the show, episode 320. He is offering a free coaching session for the best ever listeners. Just go to coachwithtrevor.com and it'll help you to achieve your real estate goals in 2016. The Real Estate Innovators Podcast explores innovation in commercial real estate technology, design, and development. They celebrate the companies and innovators who are changing the business of commercial real estate and are inspiring the future of how we work, live, and play. Find out more at the Real Estate Innovators. Did you achieve all your real estate goals in 2015? Well, if you did, congratulations. Fist bump to you. If you didn't, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. Trevor McGregor is my business coach, my real estate coach. He's also been a guest on the show, episode 320. He is offering a free coaching session for the best ever listeners. Just go to coachwithtrevor.com and it'll help you to achieve your real estate goals in 2016. Running your real estate investments as a business is an important ingredient to your success. Pillars of Wealth Creation Podcast will help you get there. Host Todd Dexheimer interviews successful entrepreneurs to discover how to build financial freedom with a focus on business and real estate. Check out PillarsOfWealthCreation.com and subscribe today.